What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everybody to the bar. It's your guest host, David Knight from Exposit the Word, standing in for Dwayne. Different host, same show, same top, top guests. So let's get to it because I am super excited to be coming through your speakers, your earbuds, wherever you're listening to the bar. And we are grateful that you are listening and we love to start the show off by thanking you, the listeners, for tuning in and supporting the show. And just like we do every Tuesday, we bring you another awesome guest. And this one is no different. We are delighted to have with us the founder and CEO of Answers in Genesis, Ken Ham. Welcome, Ken. Hey, it's great to be with you. Oh, thank you, Ken. Thank you so much. Ken, many people listening and watching will know who you are and what you do at Answers in Genesis. But just in case one or two don't, please feel free to introduce yourself. Well, I am the, the CEO and founder of the Ministry of Answers in Genesis and our two attractions. They're the two leading Christian-themed attractions in the world, the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum. And we are here in northern Kentucky in the United States. Originally, I come from Australia. 
And so uh, that's why I hope I still have an Aussie accent. I don't want to sound American. I want to keep my Aussie accent. <laughs> People in America tell me it doesn't matter what you say. We just like to hear you saying it when you're in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I can get away with whatever. But Answers yeah. in Genesis is an apologetics ministry. That doesn't mean we apologize for our faith. Quite the opposite. It means we equip people to be able to defend the Christian faith. Uh, so the word apologetics uh, comes from 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give a defense or an answer, comes from the Greek word apologia, from which we go to word apologetics, which means to give a reasonable, logical defense of the faith. And so we equip people with answers to the skeptical questions of our age that attack the Bible, particularly in Genesis, as it's the foundational book of the Bible. And we also use the attractions to bring in Christians and non-Christians uh, to help make the Bible real, the accounts in the Bible real to them uh, in, a, in a very different sort of way. And uh, so the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum actually bring in up to 30% non-Christian as well as Christians. And yeah. they every bit the quality of Disney, I'd say even better than Disney. And they're themed attractions. And so uh, they also have lots of fun things to do as well. You know, we have 4D theater and a virtual reality ride and carousel and playgrounds and zoos and so on, as well as all the exhibits uh, that we have too. Uh, so an apologetics ministry for our day uh, to help people stand uh, in, boldly on God's word when we know that uh, Christianity has uh, come under attack in massive ways in these times. Brilliant. Well, you guys have just released a really good video. I think it's a, a tour of the ark and within 60 seconds. So we'll make sure that there's a link of that in the description below as well, because it just gives you a, a, a broad idea of, of what you guys are doing down there. Really good stuff. Um, Ken, take us back to the beginning. How did you become a Christian? And when did you first realize how important creation was to our Christian faith? Well, you know, I was brought up in a Christian home uh, in Australia. And Australia is a fairly pagan country, of course. A um, very small percentage would attend church in Australia these days. Uh, but I had a father and mother who stood on the authority of the Word of God. My father hated compromise. Uh, because he was a teacher, he got transferred every three years as he was promoted. And so a lot of areas we went to only had one church uh, or two uh, no Sunday schools. They would start Sunday schools. Uh, they would bring in evangelists to be able to bring the gospel message to young people in particular. And we also uh, encountered a lot of liberal theology because a lot of the yeah. pastors that we met were impacted by the liberal uh, theologians from their seminaries. So my father was studying liberal theology to know what they were saying to equip us with answers so we wouldn't be led astray. So really he was right, teaching yeah. apologetics. I mean, he didn't use that term, but looking back on it, that's what it was. And it had a great impact on us, of course. And it was one of those evangelistic uh, campaigns in a place called Innisfail in North Queensland when I was 10 years old. Uh, and they ran this campaign there at a Presbyterian church, actually. We were attending there. Uh, sometimes we attended Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian, depending on what was in the town, actually. And my father would look for the church that that uh, stood on God's word the best uh, and to decide where we went. So, you know, that had an impact on me, too, to know that you should always uh, judge what people are saying against the word of God. And at that evangelistic campaign for children, when I was 10, the evangelist from the open air campaigners in Australia had a challenge. And the challenge was for those who want to commit their lives to the Lord and to uh, go 
wherever God wanted them to go and do whatever God wanted them to do. And I remember we even signed a piece of paper saying, yes, I'm going to go wherever God wants me to go and do whatever he wants me to do. And and so I made that commitment uh, right there. I didn't know that would mean God would uh, bring me over to America and have me as a founder of uh, a major apologetics organization and the themed attractions, the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum. But uh, that goes back to when I made that commitment when I was 10 years old. Yeah, great stuff. And you just touched on it. We, we live in an age, don't we, where the Bible isn't taught, even within many denominations, and the Bible is secondary to, to feel-good messages and musical worship. Kent, why is the Bible so important to Christians, and why have you made it your life's work to ensure that biblical truth is taught regarding creation specifically? <laughs> Well, you know, many people look on the Bible. I find even in our churches, I just don't think that there's a lot of real in-depth teaching. There's a lot of biblical literacy in churches, and that's why a lot of churches have resorted to more of a entertainment-type approach. And, you know, a lot of these praise bands on, on the stage, it's more like a concert. It's more like performance. I'm not saying we shouldn't have music, by the way, because I, I love music. I even play piano, so I love music. But... Um, but it, it becomes the emphasis, and, and there's been a lot of watering down the teaching of the word. There's a lack of teaching apologetics in our churches to adults, to teens, to our young people, children, and so on. And many people sort of look on the Bible as sort of it's a book, you know, over here sort of thing. It's a guidebook to life. And then you've got all these issues we have to deal with. But the Bible is the word of God. It's God breathed. You know, Second Timothy 3 tells us it's God breathed. Or as Paul says in Thessalonians, it is not the word of men. It is in truth the word of God. And if we really understand what the Bible is, it's a revelation from the one who knows everything there is to know about everything, who's given us the key information we need so that we can build the right way of thinking. That's called a worldview, uh, so that we can look at the world correctly. See, everyone puts on a pair of glasses. We need to understand uh, that we've got to have the right foundation for our glasses. And God's word is that foundation. But to go in a little bit more specific, the first 11 chapters of the Bible, Genesis 1 to 11, are foundational to the rest of the Bible, to all doctrine, to our Christian worldview, in fact, to everything. And if we understand that, it's a key to really understanding Christianity and to building a true Christian worldview. If you And to put it a different way, if you want to deal with any issue, it doesn't matter what the issue is, if you want to deal with gender, marriage, you want to deal with fossils, racism. You want to deal with death, disease, abortion. Uh, you want to deal with anything at all. You have to start from Genesis 1 to 11. Once you understand that, because Genesis 1 to 11 gives us the geological, biological, astronomical, anthropological history, that's the key. That's the foundation to building the right way of thinking about everything. So that's that's what the Bible is. That's, that's what people need to understand. It's not just a book you add to your thinking. It's the foundation, because this is a revelation from God who knows everything. And Genesis 1 to 11? is the foundation for everything. Yeah, brilliant. And this, this is so against our, our current culture, isn't it, where we live in this postmodern, post-truth, post-fact world where, you know, people feel that they can almost pick and choose what they want from Scripture and, and feel that it's okay to do that. What 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 is kind of a consequence, Ken, of having that, um, you know, approach when it comes to the Bible, if you can, you know, have have no line in the sand when it comes to Genesis. What what where will that end up? 
You know, here's the issue. If if I want to go back just a step further before that question, in a way, and it's why are people doing that? Why are so many in the church doing that, picking and choosing and so on? And it's because the era we live in, which really began in the 1800s, was an era in which uh, it began with atheists, deists, saying we don't believe the Bible's word of God, there never was a, a global flood, everything has to be explained by natural processes. Now, naturalism really is atheism. And out of that came the idea the fossil layers were laid down over millions of years. Now, if you look back in history, what happened was Thomas Chalmers, the founder of the Free Church of Scotland, to give you an example, uh, he took the millions of years and put them in a gap between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2 and invented the gap theory, which most people have heard of the gap theory. It got in the Schofield Reference Bible and so on. Mm. But what is the gap theory really? It's an attempt to take man's belief about millions of years based on his beliefs about the past when he wasn't there, didn't see these happening, and try to force it into Scripture. Then along comes Darwin, and we had church leaders who said, we'll say God used evolution. Along comes a big bang, we have church leaders say God used the big bang. And that unlocks a door, and the door it unlocks is... You don't have to take God's word as written there in Genesis. You can start outside of scripture with man's word and you can reinterpret it to fit in man's word. And as as that happens progressively, generation after generation, it undermines the authority of the word of God. Not only yeah. that, it teaches the younger generation, if you can start, out of God, start outside of God's word uh, with man's ideas of millions of years and evolution and, and reinterpret Genesis, why can't you start outside with man's ideas of marriage and gender and reinterpret what the Bible's saying? And what ends up happening is you have generations that then start to pick and choose what they believe. And as this philosophy sort of permeates the church, people lose an understanding that God's word is the absolute authority and they then end up uh, compromising in all sorts of various ways. And once you create that doubt that you can take God's word as written and you can use man authority over God's word, that doubt for many leads not just to compromise but to unbelief. And what's happened, I know, in America, two-thirds of young people have been walking away from the church by college age, very few returning. Church attendance with Generation Z, or Generation Z, as they say here in the States, uh, is down to less than 9%. And yet back in the 1700s, uh, 80 to 85% of the population attended church. And I know in the United Kingdom, church attendance is way down. I think, what, in in England, it's probably down to 4% or so. And with the younger generations, it is way down. In fact, in the whole Western world, there's been an incredible generational loss from the church. And I believe it's because that door was unlocked, that you don't have to take God's word as written. You can choose what you want to believe, and you take man's word and reinterpret what you want to reinterpret. And and now we see even church leaders condoning gay marriage and so on. Uh, it's happening across the United Kingdom. It's happening across the States, in Australia. And we've got a very lukewarm, weak, compromising church. And unfortunately, uh, we have to stand back and say, look how bad the church is rather than how bad the culture is, because I believe the culture is really a reflection of what the church has not done or what they have done in regard to compromise and not raising up generations as they should have. Yeah, so helpful, Ken. Thank you. Really good stuff. You just touched on it, Ken. How how old is the earth and how are scientists so far off the truth? Well, you know, you you don't dig up 
uh, fossils or rock layers with labels on saying how old they are, right? We we observe fossils, we observe rock layers, we observe the Earth, we we can observe you know a certain of the universe and so on, and then man tries to interpret it in relation to the past. Ultimately, the only way you'd know how old the Earth was uh, is if you were there at the beginning to see it start and record it all. Now, I would say God was there. He created it. And actually, if from a perspective of biblical authority, if you take God at his word in Genesis, he created everything in six days. Now, I know that there are many Christians that uh, say we don't know what the word day means there in Genesis. It's interesting. They know what it means elsewhere in the Old Testament. It's Genesis 1. They have a big problem. (laughs) And the reason is because they've been impacted by man's belief in millions of years. I challenge people, you don't get millions of years from the Bible. Ignore the the outside influences if you take God's word as written and we do know what the word day means in Genesis because it's a Hebrew word, the Hebrew word yom. And if you look up a Hebrew dictionary like Brown Driver Briggs or Kohler Baumgartner or one of those lexicons, you will find that the example given of when day means an ordinary day, because the word day can have a number of different meanings, that's true, but it's context that determines meaning. <clears throat> but when it has uh, a context of being qualified by evening, or morning, or number, or night, it means an ordinary day. And in Genesis chapter 1, we find that each of the six days of creation are qualified by evening, morning, and number. And so that alone says they were ordinary days. Exodus 20 verse 11, God made everything in six days and rested for one. Our seven-day week is based upon <clears throat> the creation week. That That's what it's all about. And so... If you start with those days as ordinary days, and Adam was made on day six, he had a son, Seth, when he was 130 years old. And then it tells us when Seth had a son and so on. Those genealogies in the Old Testament tell you when people died and when they were born, but they're very specific. There are no gaps in those. And then you get to the time of Abraham, then you get from Abraham to Christ, and then from Christ to the present, it all adds up to about 6,000 years. So based on biblical authority, ignoring outside influences, only about 6,000 years. Sounds radical to a lot of people. It only sounds radical because we've been brainwashed to believe in millions of years. And so... Um, that's what I would take as a stand on on the age of the earth. Yeah. So a lot of the um, the, the way that scientists um, test today, sort of carbon data and, and that, how, how reliable are, are these things, Ken? Where, where are the mistakes happening? You know, a lot of people think carbon dating is a dating method that has to do with millions of years, but it doesn't. Um, <clears throat> the half-life of radioactive carbon is only 5,730 years. And so after about... 50 years would be pretty hard to detect because, you know, when you have a radioactive carbon-14, over time it uh, it decays, and the time it takes for half of that to decay is called the half-life. Uh, after 100,000 years, it would be non-detectable. Here's something we can say about carbon dating. If something is millions of years old, you will not get a carbon date. The trouble is we get carbon dates for things that are supposedly millions of years old, such as diamonds or you know coal or oil, uh, and, and so it goes on. And so that means there's something wrong uh, with the dates that have been given 
to these particular deposits. And we would say that most of your fossil record comes from the flood 4,300 years ago. Uh, and that's the same for most of our uh, oil and, and our coal deposits, we would say, come from the flood about 4,300 years ago, not millions of years ago. But all dating methods are based on assumptions about the past because something has to change with time. And you've got to know how fast it changes. You've got to know all the conditions of the past. You've got to know what was there to start with. I mean, uh, there are a lot of assumptions that can be shown to be not valid at all. And there's lots of examples of that, and they can get that from our website at answersingenesis.org uh, because it, it would take you know the rest of the interview to talk about all those yeah. issues that we have. Yeah. Yeah, great stuff, brilliant. And when we talk about scientists, that's that's talking about secular scientists. I know you've got a fantastic team of scientists, people like Nathaniel Jensen, and and a team of people that are, that are scientists as well, right? Um, credible scientists who believe in creation, right? Oh yes, we have uh, a big research department and some incredible speakers. Uh, so we have Dr. Nathaniel Jensen has a PhD from Harvard University in molecular biology. Uh, Dr. Georgia Purdom has a PhD in molecular genetics from Ohio State. Uh, we have Dr. Andrew Snelling has a PhD in geology from Sydney University. Uh, Dr. Danny Faulkner has a PhD in astronomy. Uh, and so it goes on. We have a number of other uh, PhD scientists and others that are involved in research. In fact, we have our own research journal, Answers Research Journal, which is free. Uh, people can go online and uh, get that uh, with all the cutting-edge research. Now, sadly, I would say the majority of Christian scientists compromise with evolution in millions of years. But we have wonderful scientists who do not, and uh, so they stand on the authority of the Word of God. We have to give Simon Turpin a shout out as well, Ken. We can't forget him representing over in the UK as well, doing a great job. Absolutely, yes. Simon uh, is uh, tremendously knowledgeable on all these subjects. And when it comes to uh, theology, he's done some great studies. He's written a couple of really great books uh, dealing with uh, those who compromise God's word. And so, yeah, Simon is the head of our ministry of the Answers and Genesis ministry there in the UK. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So, Ken, you were born in Australia. You now live in America, like you were saying earlier on, and you've got ministries all around the world. So you're well-placed to answer this. What differences do you notice around the world when, with regards to people's attitudes towards Jesus? Well, you know, th there is a scripture that says there's nothing new under the sun, right? <laughs> um, and in, in many ways, okay, there are cultural differences. You've also got countries that are more steeped in, um, you know, the Muslim uh, religion and others, Hindu and all the rest of it. But it's interesting. As you stand back and look from a big picture perspective, the whole world, it doesn't matter whether it's in a Muslim country or predominantly Hindu or whatever it is, the whole world has been impacted by the ideas of Darwin, evolution of millions of years. I mean, I've even had Muslim groups come and ask if we would come and speak uh, to show people that evolution is not true and to be able to show them evidence confirming God is creator. And of course, I've always said to them, I'll only do that if there's no strings attached and I can tell them right. about Jesus. And of course, yeah. that stops, stops them inviting me to speak uh, because they don't want to know about that. But my point is that the teaching of evolution of millions of years has impacted people all around the world and caused them to think that the Bible can't be true and the Bible is just a book of mythology. And so 
you know, when when you're dealing with that topic of evolution, millions of years, and so on, you can point people to the truth of God's word in Genesis, which is the foundation for the gospel, the origin of sin and death. It gives the origin of all the basic entities of life in the universe. Remember, God's word is for all people for all time, and God's word will stand forever. So there's not a different Bible for different countries. It's the same Bible. Why? Because man has the same problem. The problem is sin. And so even though it's important to to know when you go into a Muslim country or predominantly Hindu or whatever, to know how they think about their particular uh, religious faith and so on and what some of the problems are, still the message is the same for them all ultimately, and that is uh, the truth of God's word beginning in Genesis. It tells us who we are, where we came from, what our problem is, what the solution is in Jesus, and there's no doubt that through education in the media, the teaching of evolution and millions of years has transversed all cultures around the world and certainly impacted them all. And so you need to be able to uh, deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Jen, you guys have got a great ministry online and you're really using um, the internet um, well. There seems to be a growing censorship on Christians, in particular freedom of speech. Should we expect this to get worse? And if so, how should we be proactively preparing for that? You know, Christians need to understand that that's what's happening in our culture is nothing new, and it's been going on for 6,000 years. You go back to the garden when God said to Adam, Adam, don't eat the fruit of this one tree as a test of obedience. In other words, obey God's word. And then the devil came to Eve and said, did God really say? In other words, the attack was on God's word, the authority of God's word. You can be as God. You decide truth for yourself. In other words, obey man's word. And so a battle between began between God's word and man's word. And if your foundation is God's word, you build your thinking on that, as we said earlier, which gives you a Christian worldview. And so we know what marriage is because God created marriage. God created gender. God, God created all the basic entities of universe and life. And Genesis 1 to 11 gives us a foundation for everything, for all of our doctrines, so we know what we believe. If you start from man's word, then just like it says in the book of Judges, when there's no king to tell them what to do, they all do what is right in their own eyes. If man is the ultimate authority, then morality is subjective. It's all relative. And out of that comes moral relativism. What we're seeing happening in our culture is a clash between two worldviews. And it's a worldview of the absolutes of Christianity and a worldview of moral relativism because there's two foundations. See, in an ultimate sense, there are only two religions in the world. In an ultimate sense, there's only two foundations, God's word, man's word. What's happened in our Western world is that in the past, uh, uh, the Judeo-Christian ethic that came out of the Bible sort of permeated the culture. And so Christian morality was sort of accepted even by non-Christians. But the more that younger generations have been indoctrinated in secular humanism through the public education system and secular universities and the media, they become more consistent by building their thinking on man's word. And so their morality has changed to one of moral relativism, which has become the predominant worldview in our culture. And that's one of the reasons why, understand, when the Judeo-Christian ethic uh, was, was the major worldview uh, and and even though you know the majority would not have been Christians, still when that that Judeo-Christian ethic permeated the culture, uh, then 
you, that conflict was still there, but in a different way. Now that you have secular humanism, moral relativism become the dominant worldview in the culture, then those who hold to the absolutes of Christianity are considered the bad guys. They're the enemy. Um, they're accused of hate speech when they say there's only one marriage, one God created, man and a woman, or only two genders, male and female. Immediately that's hate speech. So what we're seeing is an increasing opposition to Christians because the Christian worldview has really shrunk uh, in our culture. And we're seeing the younger generations much more atheistic, much more secular in their worldview. And so Christians will more and more be considered the enemy. And so they'll also be more and more persecuted, which we're seeing happening in all sorts of ways um, in, in our once very Christianized West, whether it's, you know, preachers arrested for preaching publicly, uh, you know, on a street corner against uh, gay marriage or homosexual behavior or, you know, uh, or saying that, you know, drag queens shouldn't be able to, you know, impact little children or or when we say that, um, you know, uh, allowing kids to decide to change their gender and so on when, you know, Kids aren't allowed to drive motor cars until they're, you know, 16, 17, 18, or aren't allowed to vote until they're a certain age, yet they can decide their gender. And so those who say, no, you can't do that, then, then we're the enemy. And so Christians need to be aware this is, if it keeps going the way it is, it is going to get worse and worse and there'll be increasing persecution and they're going to need to know how to stand and how to talk to these people. And you can't just deal with it at a, at a worldview level because the worldview you have depends upon the foundation you have. So Christians need to learn how to talk to people correctly, starting with the foundation, or they're not going to be able to even, even have an impact on them. And so we're going to see this conflict uh, increasing up here at this level. And sadly, most churches, I don't think, have taught people how to think correctly to be able to deal with, with the conflict that we see. Yeah. And you've been involved in writing lots of books. I know you've got lots of resources available for sale on the website. If you were to suggest one or two that would help somebody, um, you know, set themselves up um, and equip themselves for this, what would you suggest? Well, the two latest books I've written, actually, um, one is called Divided Nation, Cultures and Chaos in a Conflicted Church, which really deals with the fact that uh, of understanding, first of all, that there's no neutral position. You're either for Christ or against. So humans aren't neutral. We've got to understand when you're talking to an atheist, they're not neutral. Uh, by understanding worldview that the Bible is the foundation and Genesis, the ultimate foundation, Genesis 1 to 11, for our worldview, for all of our doctrine, to know why we believe what we do, to know how to argue foundationally with someone, and to know that if you're going to deal with any issue and all those social issues of today, gender, abortion, marriage, racism, whatever it is, you've got to start from Genesis 1 to 11. So that book does that. And then I wrote a commentary on Genesis 1 to 11, surprisingly. Uh, and I answer all the most asked questions I've been asked in 40 years. And it's a devotional commentary. So it's got a devotional e emphasis as well. And it's for the whole family. So it's very unique in that way. It's very readable, easy to read. And so as you go through that, it's called Creation to Babel, a commentary on Genesis 1 to 11. 
And as you go through that with your family, it'll lay that right foundation for the right worldview, answering all the most asked questions people have or accusations they have against God's word in Genesis. So those two books together, Divided Nation, Cultures and Chaos in a Conflicted Church, and uh, Genesis 1 to 11 commentary called Creation to Babel, uh, those two, I would say, would be the start to equip yourself uh, in this area and deal with what we're talking about uh, in this particular interview. And they can get them from our website, answersgenesis.org. Thank you, Ken. Well, what I'll do is I'll, I'll specifically find those two titles and I'll make sure we've got direct links to them in the description and below wherever you're watching or listening to this interview. Ken, that was very slick the way you answered it. It sounds like we almost set up that sales pitch. We didn't, did we, yeah. beforehand? I didn't even know about that before. This is excellent stuff. Really enjoying speaking to you. We're going to take a quick break before coming back to hear your answer uh, on the free bar signature questions, Ken. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Here we are with the founder of Answers in Genesis, Ken Ham. Ken, I can't wait to hear your answers for these. I've got no idea where it, where they're going to go. Um, question one, what kind of music do you listen to, Ken? Ah, well, actually, this might surprise you, um, but I listen to country gospel and uh, bluegrass gospel. And, and actually, I like a whole range of music, but I also like some of the old hymns, too. You know, <clears throat> and, you know, my philosophy of music is the best of the old and the best of the new, whereas right, I think yeah. a lot of churches today, it's none of the old and the worst of the new. Uh, so I think we do a disservice to the younger generation when we throw out all of the old. So I think we, you know, some of those great old hymns have great theology in them, and we need to teach them how to sing those hymns and also to respect the things of the past. At the same time, there's some great 
modern songs too. There's some great, horrible modern Christian songs too. I always like to judge their theology against God's word, and sometimes I tear my hair out uh, when I do that. And by the way, I love music because we have our own resident artist group at the Ark and the Creation Museum called True Song uh, because I know people love music and we can also worship God and also uh, teach people the gospel through music as well. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Brilliant stuff. Well, next signature bar question. What book or books are you currently reading? Well, it's interesting. You know, the the book that I just finished reading um, is a book uh, called Leadership, Not by the Book, and it's by David Green and Bill Hyde. David Green is the founder in America of Hobby Lobby. And the reason I read this book, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, uh, overtly Christian books that I read too. And, of course, our own staff are writing books and I have to read those as well. Um, But this one, David Green has become, uh, as far as I know, the biggest Christian philanthropist in the world, supporting Christian ministry around the world. And he built an incredible uh, business uh, with Hobby Lobby. And as I read through his book, I I actually went down there and did an interview with him and put it on our streaming platform, Answers.tv. We have a wonderful streaming platform uh, that uh, I encourage Christians uh, to get. Uh, for for great material for the, for all ages, by the way, 5,500 programs on there. But I did this interview because a lot of what he did, he sort of um, didn't go by the book in regard to, you know, how to start a business, you know, was thinking outside the box, did things differently. Well, that's how I've always been with this Ministry of Answers and Genesis thing. Le- you know, it's leadership, not by the book. Um, in fact, the three of us who started Answers and Genesis, I'm a school teacher. Uh, another one uh, was a lieutenant uh, in, um, in the army, right? And uh, another one was a historian. And the three of us started a ministry that has become the biggest conservative apologetics organization in the world, with the two leading Christian-themed attractions in the world. Uh, we did things a little, you know, outside the box, a little not by the book, and that's why I, I uh, like that particular book. Oh, you've sold that to me. I'll definitely be buying that um, and giving that a read, Ken. Thank you. Last signature bar question. What podcast or sermons do you listen to, if any? Well, the sermons I listen to, now, while you hear this, um, <laughs> the main sermons I listen to are from a guy called Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, right. through, okay, yeah. through the Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust. All his sermons there are available. And, of course, uh, he was at Westminster Chapel, what, back in the nineteen mid-1900s. Um, and I... I I can't even find another expositional teacher like him uh, today yeah. that that teaches yeah. like him. He is such a a great uh, teacher of the word and preacher of the word, and so I I love to listen to uh, his sermons. So the sermons of Martin Lloyd Jones. Um, I also listen. We we have our own. Uh, podcasts and one of the one of the podcasts we have is called Zero Compromise by Rocket Rob. He was actually an, a NASA scientist building rockets, but he's working for us full time. And uh, Patricia Angler and Jessica Jaworski, who are uh, two of our wonderful researchers and speakers and writers here, and they do this uh, podcast called Zero Compromise. And uh, also, I like to to listen to the briefing from Al Mola, who is the president of Southern Seminary there in Louisville, um, because he has a briefing every morning dealing with the current issues. And that's good to keep up on things as well. Yeah. 
I was talking to your friend Ray Comfort uh, a couple of days ago. He's got a brilliant podcast. Do you ever listen to the Living Waters podcast? Oh, yeah. You know what? I, of course, I should have put that first, the Living Waters podcast, <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, I need to wash my mouth out with soap. Yeah, that's the one I should have said first, of course. No, uh, yeah, I, I love uh, Easy and uh, Ray Comfort and, and Mark um, uh, Spence. Uh, these guys are, are incredible, and they they do this wonderful uh, podcast, and I encourage everyone to listen to. In fact, we we go we work hand in hand with Living Waters, as we are uh, working hand in hand with them for their great witness for the coronation of uh, King Charles. Yeah, that's right, yeah, uh, yeah as yeah. well. Um, so, and I encourage people if you're looking for, you know, there's not many ministries today that we can go out there and just fully recommend uh, that stand on God's word as we do. But Living Waters uh, is one of them, and that's the main one that. We we would recommend and i don't want you to feel bad but he actually listed your podcast first when he listed his uh, last oh, week okay well well see i wanted to talk about his last because then i could t talk more about it and uh to be able to emphasize it more <laughs> that's right good idea again again before we let you go do you have any closing thoughts and how can people keep in touch with you on social media well, you know, I have a public uh, Facebook site. Um, just do a search for Ken Ham and it'll say public figure and you'll see a picture of me and, you, <laughs> and uh, you, you'll be able to recognize that. I also uh, do posts on Twitter uh, every day. Uh, so you can go and search for my uh, Twitter handle. Um, Twitter is an interesting place. It's sort of the cesspool of the universe. But uh, my <laughs> Twitter posts also get pasted on Facebook and I, I do a daily blog as well found on our answersingenesis.org website i also have a youtube channel and we have our answers in genesis youtube uh channel as well and also our answers.tv streaming platform which is very inexpensive but it's an incredible streaming platform that is growing exponentially yeah brilliant well we're going to grab all of those links and we'll make sure that they're in the description below including all of the books that um, ken's been speaking about today as well ken thank you so much as always for your time really enjoyed catching up with you today hey thank you anytime and to the bar listeners thank you again for tuning in and make sure that you hit that subscribe button so that you can get the show every single tuesday and just like today we have some top top guests coming up that you do not want to miss out on and remember to check out the bar podcast website where you can listen to Dwayne's huge archive of interviews which will keep you nice and busy until next time to laugh for now
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.